welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode. Wanted to give you a little bit of a warning on the front of this episode. Uh, My friend Ainsley and I are having a conversation about abusive relationships and also what we call semi-abusive relationships. There is no graphic language in this conversation. There's no graphic descriptions. Um, We worked really hard to navigate the conversation sensitively, both to other parties involved as well as the listener, but we are both sharing our individual experiences in abusive relationships. It's a really incredible conversation. We focus much more on what Jesus can and will do in those situations, but I just felt like I wanted to let you know what is coming. So let's get into the episode. Ainsley, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Thank you. I'm so excited, but also nervous. Me too. (laughs) Because today we are talking about toxic and unhealthy and abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. Super light and fluffy for your Wednesday commute. Um, We're talking about how you lose your identity in them and then how to recover and find freedom. And we were talking before we started recording and even been just talking separately that I'm I'm a little bit freaked out that we're talking about this because three days ago, for the first time ever on my platform, I started opening up about my own experience in a relationship with like, like this. And I mean, like I nudged the door open. Yeah. So I've never talked about this publicly. I think I've very vaguely referenced it a few times in episodes, but I'm like, okay, I see you, God. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So to get us started, tell us a little bit about yourself your platform, your podcast, and then let's just dive into like what your experience was and and what you've, what you've encountered in this realm. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I would also echo just everyone just buckle up because it's about to be a ride. Um, My name is Ainsley B. (laughs) I'm a writer, podcast host of Wild Confidence Podcast, wife and Enneagram coach. Um, certified through the your Enneagram coach.com program. And I live in Baton Rouge. We are, we're yeah, literally yeah. not far from each other right now. And we're doing this on Zoom, which yeah. is ridiculous, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Soon we will hang out IRL. I, I really base kind of my whole ministry in, in um, anything I talk about on identity because it was something that I lost. And mm-hmm. growing up, I was a pretty confident kid. I mean, I, I was a little bit bossy. I, I kind of just mm-hmm. knew who I was and what was up, what was down. Like I was pretty confident and I entered into a dating relationship that I did not think was going to end up being toxic and codependent and abusive because uh, we were best friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up totally, you know, being codependent emotionally and physically so enmeshed with this person. I tied mm-hmm. my worth and my identity to who I was to them and who they mm-hmm. said I was. Yeah. And it really just looked like, you know, losing my identity looked like setting all of my dreams aside. So when the relationship ended, it literally felt like a desert. And I did not leave better than I was found. No. And that's essentially what I said. You know, this, this interview is coming out way after the fact when I talked about this on my Instagram, but that I, I had all these aspirations of going to Mm -hmm. law school. I was pre-law at LSU and I fully believe that God did not have law school for me a hundred percent. I think that I, that, that would have been my path either way, but a huge contributor to me making that decision to kind of put those things aside was this relationship that I was in for almost all four years of college Mm -hmm. that 
exactly. It's literally the whole time you were talking just now, I was just nodding my head where it was codependent. It was toxic. I love that you said that I believed what he said about me. Yeah. Because I think that that, that can be, it can be what they say about us with our word, with their words and what they say about us with their actions. Totally. This isn't something that happens overnight. Right. You know, we don't lose our identity in these relationships overnight. It's this slow descent into exactly like you said, embedding who you are with who they are and who they say you are until if you're lucky, you wake up one day and look around and go, how the hell did I get here? A hundred percent. What did that like wake up look like for you? <laughs> it looked like, uh, actually, I remember, um, this specific time and mm-hmm. we were in, we're leaving Portland. Okay. Um, this guy had to get to a very important meeting. He said it was career altering, life changing, you know, it, it, it had, he had to get to this meeting and we got stuck in traffic, even though we left super early, like we left early, like plenty of time. I, I'm pretty, you know, I'm the kind of person that gets to the airport stupid early it's yeah my my husband it drives him nuts but I'm like no we can't so (laughs) so I was all about I'm like yeah let's leave early let's go let's go so we're in the car all of a sudden traffic is all around us right and Mm -hmm. there's nothing that either one of us can do like we are just like stuck and the ETA has him missing this meeting and I'm like oh no so I'm just being the kind of person I am I'm I'm silver lining I'm looking on the bright side so I'm like okay what can we do this on the phone? Can we do this? You know, where we are today? Well, mm-hmm. I guess that was like overwhelming to him to think of alternatives to what the plan was. Mm-hmm. When I tell you this rental car did not know what was coming, it mm. took a beating. Like this car, this rental car took a beating. It, he started slamming his fists on the steering wheel, slamming his, I'm shocked that the window mm-hmm. did not break. How many times he just beat his fist against it, against it, like screaming. And you had to go to see the original Starbucks. You had to do this. You had, oh wait, that was in Seattle. It was all on the same trip. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, you had to get the last voodoo donut. You had to do this. It was all your fault. If you weren't doing this, we would have been leaving. So I'm like, this is the first time that this has happened in our, like in the relationship so far. And when I tell you, I've known this, this, fool forever. Like I knew him for a long time. So yeah. Like this is not you. Like there is like, there is a demon what is coming happening? out of you. Like terrifying. Yeah. And you know, he screamed, pitching a fit, acting like a two-year-old. And he looks at me and he goes, well, are you, do you have anything to say? And I freeze. I'm totally frozen. And I'm like, uh, and I kind of revert like in my mind, you know, when I was a kid, my mom was a counselor and she would mimic when whatever I whenever I like pitched a fit. She would be like, mm-hmm. "I'm gonna mirror you and show you what you look like to the rest mm-hmm. of the world." And that may not be the healthiest route, but <laughs> it worked for yeah. me. It worked for yeah. me because I was like, "Oh, I look like an idiot." Like, "Oh my gosh, mom, sorry, right. my bad." Right, you know, right. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should mimic. <laughs> Yeah. Like you just kind of like revert, like you're trying to find something. Yeah. So I'm like, you want me to say something? Okay. Do you know what you look like right now? And I kind of mimic, I'm like, this is what you look like. This is insane. This is over one meeting. Like, do you not trust that God has your, the plan for your life? Like, dude, what do you, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that was literally like, we get to this meeting after just the most insane. He, I mean, he told me to get out of the car after that. He like, we're in on the interstate in Portland. Oh I'm gosh. like, I'm like, honestly, that feels safer right now. Yeah. Being in traffic feels safer than being in the car with you. So I thought about it, but then I was like, <laughs> eh, I don't know where to go. I'm 19 years old. Um, so we get to the meeting. He made it by the way, he made the meeting. Everything was fine. Of course he did. Right. Yeah, of, course. of course. And his coworker comes up to me. He's like, Hey, are you okay? Because I literally look like a shell of a human. And I'm mm. like, I have no idea. I have no idea if I'm okay or not. And that was really the light bulb moment that said to me, I don't feel safe with this person anymore. Mm-hmm. 
but that isn't when I left. So right. that's exactly what you were saying, how it's kind of like gradual. That's like, that was like the first chip of my yeah. identity. And it was the first time that you like looked around and said, oh, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't going well, mm-hmm. but, and, and my experience is actually really similar. It was on a sidewalk instead of in a car. And, uh, I can, I will never, I remember, and I'm not a yeller. Same. I grew up in a really calm, my whole family and my children were all so sound sensitive. Like we just yeah. like loud noises. No, thank you. But I can remember <laughs> screaming at the top of my lungs. Yeah. You are sucking the life out of me. Yeah. You are sucking all the life, all the joy, all the happiness I have to give. You're sucking it out of me. Yep. And I wish that I could say that that's when I left. Right. I wish that I could say that that was the end, but it, it wasn't. And you said in your conversation with this person that you, like, you were a believer yeah. by then. Oh, yeah. And I was too. Like, I had the truth yeah, right in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I honestly, we talked, we kind of jokingly, not jokingly, talked before mm-hmm. we started recording about, like, years of therapy yeah. for me to undo the things that that relationship taught me. And I honestly still, 10 years out, almost as many years of counseling don't understand it. Absolutely. You know, and that's frustrating. It's not logical for for someone to harm another person, even though Mm -hmm. it's just sinful nature. It's, 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 it is very human. It's not, it's not right. It's not okay. It doesn't ever feel good. The manipulation, the gaslighting, none of it is, is okay. And so for, for me, I was raised in a, a, you know, Christ like household, like everyone was pretty stable (laughs) to my, to my knowledge. So whenever I was dealing with someone who was extremely, you know, shaky, not stable, it was the first time. And the manipulation aspect was you're the only one who can love me. And I'm the only one who can love you and knows you to the depths of your soul. And I'm, and I believed it. Because, yes. I mean, oh my gosh, like, well, I believed it because I was being told it over and over and right. over every single day. By somebody that you loved. Exactly. And you thought loved you. Exactly. And I believe that, you know, in the Bible, when it talks about, you know, no weapons formed against me shall prosper. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what we forget as believers and is that first part, the weapons formed against me. Like we forget that the enemy specifically forms weapons that are that are customized to our trauma, to our heart, to our pain points. He knew the enemy knew that my core desire is to was to feel wanted as an Enneagram too. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He put that. I mean, even that word, no one into that guy's mouth to where the enemy would, uh, you know, have that guy say no one's going to want you because they don't know you like I do. Mm. That is a weapon formed against me specifically. That is how you specifically, specifically. And, and and I think we forget spiritual warfare is so specific. Actually, I think we forget spiritual warfare even exists. Amen. Really? But amen. It is specific to you, to me, to, and that's why it's so crucial to, to root that identity so unshakable because Mm -hmm. because of those weapons in order for those weapons formed against you to not prosper you have to know your identity you have to know who's fighting for you you have to have an armored identity amen and i want to spend a majority of this conversation talking about how you recover and find freedom and and re-establish your identity but before we get into that I wanted to talk about something that you and I have both kind of accidentally walked into the conversation of, Mm -hmm. which is this concept of semi-abusive relationships. Yeah. I have not, um, I haven't talked about my relationship at all publicly because it's weird. It includes somebody else's life, but I think that we need more voices speaking into this 
kind of almost in between because I'm, and I'm so thankful that there's so many more conversations happening around domestic violence and abusive relationships. And, you know, the ones that you can outright say, like you can peg it. Yep. This was abusive. And I think that our society is still grappling with how to define and how to navigate the rest of it, the Mm -hmm. emotional abuse, the sexual, semi-sexual abuse, the, you know, emotional abuse. And so you actually said before we started recording this, you kind of defined this semi abuse mm-hmm. as specifically to semi sexual abuse. Yeah. And so I kind of want you to unpack that a little bit that what that in between space looks like and, and how those women need this message just as much as the rest. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I really, um, I, I run into this more often than not with college students, right? You, you have so much freedom when you're in college, you just have all these new experiences. Well, and you know, the, I don't know this statistic, but the rate of, uh, sexual abuse on college campuses is just astronomical and it's crazy nonsensical. It's awful. So mm-hmm. when I'm talking to college students, this, this really like comes up more often than I would like it to, but it's this idea of semi-abuse, semi-sexual abuse, semi-physical, emotional, all of that, where you don't believe that it's abuse Mm. because you don't, you're like, well, what, well, you know, let's say sexual, well, we were both drunk and like, I said no the one time, but I really didn't say no after that because I just kind of got quiet or, you know, all this stuff. Well, my friend, no is no the first time. And Mm -hmm. if you're both intoxicated, there's already a problem with, you know, the consent factor. If, if you, if in your heart, you're not consenting, you know, there, there's just a problem there. Mm -hmm. Um, and and the other kind of thing that they'll say is like, well, he would never do that. Hmm. Are you sure? Because it seems like from your story that he did. Mm-hmm. And I understand. That he already has. Yes, and and I understand that you want to believe the best about this person. I understand that, like, you know, whenever I personally was sexually assaulted in my freshman year of college, he was my friend. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I didn't say no to my friend, and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that my friend did not cross a boundary that was not his to cross. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe he's not a predator, but maybe right. he still took an action that was not his to take. And I mean, I can't tell you how much uh, my friend who sexually assaulted me was apologetic. I mean, he Mm -hmm. was so sorry. And that, but that still doesn't mean that that wasn't sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Just because he's sorry doesn't negate what happened and the therapy that I had to go through to heal from it. Right. And that's what I was about to say. It doesn't negate what the, the wounds and the baggage. Yeah. That it left. And it's, it's, it's this gray area that, yep. because I have a very, I have actually multiple, very <clears throat> similar experiences, which I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know if I've ever talked about any of this publicly, but you know, high school and college, I have experiences where that same exact thing happened. Yeah. And if we want to get into into it like you know okay where we've both been drinking and I'm enjoying making out with you but I don't want it to go any further than that yes and that's that's and that's okay that's and where that's it happens you're that ex- that's exactly where that happens and for women I feel like we feel like we well we have we're in this situation already we owe it to them no mm-hmm. you don't get out no get right just roll over, get out, jump out the bed. Like that's the thing is like, it's all these technicalities that we have, we are traumatized by, or we're impacted by because we didn't take the action. And then we're like, Oh, I should have done that. I should have, this is my fault. No, Mm -hmm. it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Could you have made a better decision? Sure. Does that mean you deserve to be raped? No. Are you kidding me? This is a whole, there's a whole nother conversation to be had around consent and how we are raising our boys to believe that they are entitled to x y and z but 
I would venture to say that most, I bet an ungodly percentage of the women that are listening have been in that situation where they went out drinking Mm -hmm. and they're totally like, I am enjoying making out with you. I I am here for this. Like that's, and that's okay. Yeah. And then it starts to go further and you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you either do or you don't voice. I don't want to do this. And that they blow right through that. Yep. And then how do you define that? Exactly. For yourself, you and I outside looking in, look at that and go, well, I can tell you exactly what that is. Right. But for the person that was in it, it's like, well, I, I walked into that room. Mm -hmm. I got into that bed. I sat on that couch. I engaged and maybe I gave him the wrong signals or maybe exactly what you said. Maybe I did owe it to him. Mm -hmm. But you know, after the fact, without doubt or question that that wasn't what you wanted. Exactly. You, you can feel it. You feel icky. You feel gross. You feel used. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not okay. And you know what, as you're talking about how many women are experiencing this statistically, I believe it's one out of three women before the age of 18 have some type of sexual harassment or sexual assault. It's either one out of three or one out of four. It might be one out of four, but regardless, I mean, either way, (laughs) literally like, I mean, it's just wild how often this is happening. And you know, that that's really the, the kind of sexual assault, the semi-sexual assault where you don't really know how to define it, but I can paint you a million pictures and you're like, wait, yeah, that sounds like my story. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. And you know, nine out of 10 of these cases go unreported, the, the cases of sexual assault. And I would venture to say, because a lot of it is confusing and a lot of it is in a gray area because a man didn't jump out of the bushes. Right. And, and right. It just blows my mind. So then when we're thinking about relationships, abusive relationships, we have to be able to say manipulation is, is emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. gaslighting is emotional abuse. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how, I mean, you know, h- how it happens. It's still abusive. It's still toxic. And you know, everyone, I never fought a day in my life with a boyfriend. I literally just never really fought with boyfriends until mm-hmm. this guy and people, this is what killed me. People around me said, well, fighting's healthy. Mm. I, the bruise on my arm would beg to differ. Yeah. The fact that I was locked in his apartment for a couple of days and he wouldn't let me out begs to differ that fighting is healthy because you know what? The amount of times that I've fought with my husband, maybe a handful has never gotten physical. He has never called me names. He has, I mean, and when I say fighting with my husband, I say I slam a door, you know, like there's just coping mechanisms. There's ways to communicate that can prevent these, these knockdown drag out abusive fighting. There's just, mm-hmm. there just is. Absolutely. And I was the same way. I, this relationship was the first one that we had those knockdown drag outs. And again, that ventures into the semi mm-hmm. abusive realm of what you said, the bruise on my arm. Well, I have a bruise on my arm because I was trying to walk away and he grabbed my arm because he wanted to continue the conversation. Right. And he left a bruise. Is that abuse? I would say so. You know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I would too now. Right. As an adult, looking back on it. But in the, and then they're so, they're so sorry. And they can't believe, oh my gosh, please wear a sweatshirt. Because I don't want people to think that I'm putting my hands on you. That it was an accident. You know? And it's just, yep. it's murky water. And I want to figure out how, you know, I'm so inspired and challenged by the way that you have walked this out because I have let fear and my own doubts and my own questions keep me quiet. Yeah. I'm realizing that there have to be voices that are speaking into the in-between that are speaking Mm -hmm. in the, that are speaking to the women who've experienced what you and I have experienced because I think it just like I have lessened my experience because it wasn't yep. quote unquote domestic violence or quote unquote rape. I need this message too. 
Right. And, and I want to be clear about like, I'm, I'm very passionate about this because it was three years of me questioning this before someone else validated my story in that right. I connected with the next girl that he dated. And I was like, Hey, did this happen to you? And she was mm-hmm. like, yeah. So it was, mm-hmm. it took three years for me to be able to own my story. And in those three years, just the, the roller coaster, the heartache, I, I, I don't wish it on my worst enemy. And, and I'm, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that you should attack, you know, your attacker or abuser or whatever. Right. Like, but I'm just saying it's so important for you to identify it for yourself, for your own healing. You don't ever have to talk to that bull ever again. But mm-hmm. but for your heart and for you to be able to like, oh, oh my gosh, okay, like that happened. And give now, a name, like almost like giving it. it a name. Yep. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. So I'm just, like I said, I'm just really thankful for us being able to have a conversation about this, like in between. And yeah. I, I encourage people to like follow you and listen to your podcast and, and learn from you as a voice speaking into murky water that not many people are wading into. Okay, you guys know I'm always recommending books to you. It's kind of my job. And as much as I love sitting down and actually reading a book, that hardly ever happens. Instead, I listen to them on Audible when I'm in the car, when I'm doing dishes, sometimes even when I'm working out. Right now, I'm listening to A Mind of Your Own by Kelly Brogan. Definitely put that one on your list. But the way Audible works is you pay $15 a month, you get one credit that you can use on a book, and if you don't use that credit, it rolls over to the next month for up to a year. So since you're a listener of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash crappy Christian. You can pick your first audiobook for free today. And if you aren't sure what book to start with, I always suggest When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. So just go to audibletrial.com slash crappy Christian to start your free 30 day trial. Okay, let's get back to the show. So if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that I am a huge advocate for counseling. I am super open about my personal mental health struggles and even more so how counseling has made such a massive impact. And so in the midst of some of the weirdest times, I am super excited to partner with Faithful Counseling to bring you affordable and accessible online Christian counseling. You get matched with your counselor within 24 hours and you can start talking. You can do texting, you can do calls, you can do video conferences. Uh, If you don't immediately jive with your counselor, you can switch and they price on a sliding scale. So it's always going to be affordable. And I really just cannot sing their praises enough, as well as the people that I have been able to connect with their services. I constantly get DMs from people just thanking me for telling them about it. And so I wanted to tell you about it. You can get 10% off of your first month with Faithful Counseling by going to getfaithful.com slash crappy Christian and connect with a counselor and start getting the help that you need today. could have stayed a shell of a human. Yeah. Even after you got out. Yeah. But I know from knowing you even just on the internet that that's not the case right. that you are thriving and you know who you are and you know what your identity is. So how were you able to recover your identity and find freedom even after that relationship ended, like even after you got out? Yeah, so I, I do want to give the disclaimer that I have found freedom and I do know who I am, but that doesn't mean question marks don't pop up every now and then. Right. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that. And I, but I want to give people the freedom to know that, that this isn't growth, isn't linear and healing is linear. So it's Mm going to feel like a roller coaster and that's okay. I'll just buckle Mm -hmm. in next to you and we go and get through this together. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and a lot of people, whenever I'm talking about how my recovery of freedom happened. A lot of people ask me, well, how'd you get the courage and strength to leave that relationship? And the Mm -hmm. truth is I didn't. 
he mm. broke up with me. <laughs> Same. I was about ready to marry Same. that fool. Same. Oh, literally, I was so upset we weren't engaged yet. Yeah. Like, hundo percento. Ah. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. It's crazy. So, so I really like what I want to drive home is like, you don't have to be strong to be set free. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to rely on your own strength to be set free because the Lord is going to, I mean, it's Lauren, Lauren Daigle song, uh, the rescue. I will send out an army to find Mm -hmm. you. I will send out an army like his, the Lord's strength truly drew me out of that. I would say that it was the Lord that, you know, gave me the grace of being broken Mm -hmm. up with. It was so mm-hmm. merciful. Oh God. Amen. To have broken my heart like that. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm so thankful because I then was able to find my own strength. Amen. But I don't believe that you have to be like are if you can if you can identify it when you're in it and if you have the strength to get out of it, I, oh my gosh, you need to be talking louder than me. Because Amen. I'm like, I didn't. I didn't have no. that strength. So, you know, I remember when he came over to break up with me, actually, I just had, I was on set filming for the show Nashville, um, oh. which was just so fun. But he was, I don't know what he was doing, but I had an anxiety attack on set. I knew something was happening. I knew mm-hmm. I knew something was going to go down. I was like, I don't know if he's trying to hurt himself. I don't know if, you know, whatever, because he would threaten that every now and then just yeah toss that out there toss that one in yeah yeah mm-hmm. um and so I had an anxiety attack I had to leave set and they're like okay well you're not gonna get paid even though you've been in a couple of scenes I'm like yeah it's okay I gotta go yeah so yeah I get broken up with I remember like sprinting into my roommate's room just collapsing in her arms and then going back into that room and screaming lord what are you teaching me like he was right there he was Act, breaking up with me actively and I'm screaming into the pillow, Lord, what are you teaching me? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm pissed. God, you are, you are making me, you're breaking my heart. So yeah. stayed in bed for three days, passed on a trip to the Bahamas, which I mm. fully regret now, but mm-hmm. it is what mm-hmm. it is. And three days later, I remember I was riding in a car and this is what I was trying not to forget because it's, it's insane to me that this happened in a car whenever my first light bulb moment happened in a car. Mm. And I was driving and I, I had not put on worship music. I was like, Lord, bump you. I'm done with you. Like, I'm mad at you. Yeah, uh-uh. Get out of yeah. my way. I'm living my life now. You know, whatever. And because I thought that that was going to be my forever story. It just made, mm-hmm. it was just such a storybook relationship from the outside that I was like, exactly. there's no way that this can't work. Mm-hmm. So I'm riding in the car and I'm like, all right, I'm desperate for healing. I mean, I'm desperate. Like this was as low as I could possibly ever be. And I mean mm-hmm. that in the most dramatic sense because that's how it felt. Yeah. And absolutely. this is the end. Yeah. This is it's that was it. I, I literally, it was like I looked around and nobody was there anymore. And I was mm-hmm. the girl who was always, you know, friends were everywhere. And my friends were physically still there most of the time, but I had pushed them away. That was on me. You know, I I was isolated because of me. Mm -hmm. So I'm riding the car. I'm like, all right, you know what, whatever. I'm going to put on music. It had been silence. And I had like kind of, I was driving around and, and, you know, seeing the ghosts of memories and around these familiar places that we had been, you know, like I would just see, it's like the movies. Like I remember this memory at this restaurant, you know, whatever. And I put on worship music on accident. I literally, that was just happened to be what my radio was set to. Coincidence? I think not. And it it was literally like a chain just fell off of me. And Mm. I literally, okay, this is where it gets really weird. But you know what? This is why my faith cannot be argued because I lost control of my mouth and the Holy Spirit was would took over, took over all of my motor functions. And the only word that I could say was freedom. Hmm. And I said, freedom, freedom, 
freedom, freedom, freedom, freedom, freedom. Like trying to say other words. It's like in liar, liar, whenever he's like, <laughs> what color is this pen? And they're like, red. <laughs> that's what it felt like. And it's, I said, freedom, freedom, broke down crying, had to pull over my car. And I was just like, oh my gosh, freedom. Like this is freedom. And go to church, you know, as soon as the doors open, I was like, first in attendance, hello, please. Um, mm-hmm. I just got this word of freedom. I need help. Yeah. And I had my friends pray over me. I had, I was just so nose into the word because I was like, who am I? Who am I? Like all of this time I was believing that someone, someone else was defining me and I, I don't know. So what I did, and this is what I coach literally every single person to do. So I mean, I'm just, I have to share this because it's just one of the most transformational things. Yeah. I entered the the throne room and reintroduced myself. Mm. And, and I don't know what anyone else's throne room looks like. And whenever I say that, people are like, okay, you're getting a little cray cray. And I'm like, yeah, that's the only way I live life. So buckle up. Let's go. Yeah. And like some, you know, one of my online mentoring girls, she, her throne room looks like this place in Haiti that she ministered to and was just so moved by mine because um, I have expensive taste is gold everywhere. <laughs> like I walk in and it's just gold everywhere. And God is like sitting like that Abraham Lincoln statue for some reason, <laughs> but he always kneels down. I have no clue. This is just nuts. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but that's what my throne room looks like. And I go in and I reintroduce myself. I literally extend my hand and I'm like, Hey God, my name's Ainsley. Mm. And he's like, I've been waiting for you to come back. Mm. And I'm so glad to have you here. Mm. And you know what? He still tells me that same phrase because I'm, I ignore him still sometimes when I'm being a little salty, I'm a little bit stubborn. I'm realizing, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, it's, it's a reintroduction and it's a rebuilding. And I finally gave him permission to do that. Cause I was like, I don't know. I don't know who, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know. I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So I need you to start just telling me. Yeah. And promises. He will. will. And he will. He will. He will. And then, and that's that reintroducing yourself allows him you don't have to tell him who you are. Mm-hmm. He already knows. Yep. You need him to tell you exactly who you are because this other person has has messed that up. Mm-hmm. You and you let them. There, there's a there's a small sense of personal responsibility there, but they have you've let them redefine who you are. Yeah. And because you let them redefine who you are, you've let them tell you what you're worth, what you will take, what you won't take, what you are going to experience. And I think that this becomes a repeating cycle for people. They get out of one relationship that looks like this and they get right into another one because they haven't done the work and allowed God to do the work of undoing the bonds of believing this is what you deserve. Because it's terrifying. A hundred percent. And I will, I will say yes. Yeah. Like, you, and that's the thing is like, that's why I was talking about the strength earlier. Like if you can, I mean, I had no strength. I had no strength. Mm-hmm. It was all mm-hmm. stripped away from me. And it's, it's that position of submission that the Lord can, can do wonders with. If you will mm-hmm. just kneel at the throne room, in the throne room at his feet and just say, I, I don't know. He you, like yeah. you don't have to have any answer. You don't have to have a single dang answer, and he mm-hmm. will fill you up. I mean, it is like not only are his promises in the Bible, or you can literally just Google it. What does God say mm-hmm. about me? You can Google it. Yes, okay. yes, hundred percent. And it's do true. That. Please do that. <laughs> Please do that. And like it's just you. You also just you have to armor up whenever you when he starts speaking those promises over your life, because like we were talking about earlier, those weapons fashioned against you are going to start coming at you again. It doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, put on the armor of God every day. It is, you can just print out that verse, stick it on your mirror, 
Put on the armor of God every day so that you have armored identity for when those attacks come. You like, and, and, you know, you don't have to be strong in that initial, but you do have to fight for yourself. Mm -hmm. If that, that, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Because I think that what the reality is, is that, and this is what, this is the, the main part of, of my experience with this was I did some of the, the work and I, I came to God to a degree of humility asking him to re teach me who I was, Mm. but I did get into another relationship with my now husband fairly quickly. And I spent a really long time making him pay a fee that he did not owe Yep, and carry baggage that was his, I guess, to carry because we had become one, but that, that he didn't, he didn't pack. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And I wish I wouldn't have. Right. You know, I wish that I wouldn't have made him pay the price for something that someone else had done. Mm -hmm. And and he is wonderful. And there but there were times that he would say, I didn't do that. I didn't do that to you. And 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 lovingly, I need you to remember who I am just as much as I need you to remember who you are. And that that happened with this other person. I didn't do this to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that if, you know, that's been a whole nother like years of counseling and unpacking that not making, I think a lot of people make people who love them well pay prices that someone else, that are someone else's. I agree. And, And I think that goes back to growth not being linear too. You have to be okay with revisiting the throne room every single day and yes. re and laying everything down over and over and over again. But whenever you are able to do that, right, you're, you then can humbly go back to that person and be like, you're right. I'm sorry. Because yeah. what, because you, you, you want to defend yourself because you right. had to defend yourself back then. Exactly. So you want to be like, no, wait, like, what do you mean? I, I I'm not wrong here, but but sometimes mm-hmm. you are, you know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on occasion, <laughs> and and it's like that's why it's so important. Like, obviously, I'm going to recommend therapy for anybody and everybody. Like, 100, always, 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 mm-hmm. always. But and forever and always. I mean, I've been in therapy since I was 12 years old, so <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that you can't. You cannot do anything apart from Christ when it comes to rebuilding your identity. You can't, I mean, that's leaving you right where you were found. Maybe you're, you can cope better, but healing uh, gets it yeah. for me. Amen. Just Absolutely. Does. We are huge advocates of therapy yeah. <laughs> here at the Grabby Christian. So to close us out, other than therapy, what are some practical things that someone who is either in the midst of experiencing this or on the, just, you know, just on the other side, what is your advice for those people? Yeah. So, um, there are a few things that I think you can practically do. Um, one of them of course is going into the throne room, whatever that looks like for you every Mm -hmm. single day. Um, the other is putting on the armor of God every single day, like Mm -hmm. do it, pray that over yourself, claim it, you have authority. And, you know, actually this reminds me one time I had an online mentoring girl say, I tried to go into the throne room and I couldn't get in. The door was shut. And I said, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. That is a lie from the enemy because that is your creator's home. You are welcome in there anytime. So anytime that the door feels shut, I want you to push it down and break mm-hmm. it down, get in there because that's not, yeah. he's never going to close the door on you. Never. No. Mm-hmm. And um, I would also say as scary and as vulnerable as it can be, lend an ear to your friends and family because they mm-hmm. were probably the ones expressing concern and you were probably defending that person against mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of go to them and be like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I see I'm ready it now. To listen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And then the last practical thing, and I want to, I want to touch on one last thing before we uh, wrap up, but uh, box breathing. And you, you recently, yeah, you recently posted about it. I was like, oh girl, me too. So, uh, you know, it's a Navy SEAL tactic for anxiety or not just anxiety, but just like to low, to calm the heart rate or whatever. Yep. And, you know, with this unveiling of all of these things and unveiling these lies and all, all of that, anxiety is sure to follow. You yeah. know, this it, it's a it's a scary place. Mm-hmm. And um so just knowing some coping skills for that specifically is huge. Box yep. being one of the most beneficial ones. Um you can Google it. Um yep. but there are like tutorials on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I mean all of this is just everywhere, you know, like the, the resources are, are plentiful, but the one thing that I really want people to fight against is the shame because mm-hmm. a lot of this is just shame inducing, right? It's like in the garden of Eden, whenever uh, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, you know, that they immediately felt shame mm-hmm. and they had to cover up. Well, mm-hmm the Lord, you know, that's kind of what happens. Well, that, that's really what happens after you get out of an abusive relationship. It's, it's like, or semi-sexual assault or whatever. It's like, oh no, I, you just put so much blame on yourself. There's so much shame that just covers you like a film over your identity. And you know, what happened in the garden is they covered up, they hid from the Lord, (laughs) just like I did. (sighs) The Lord comes to find them and he says, who told you that you were naked? Mm. Who told you that this had to define you? Are there consequences? Yes. You know, that, that's, that's just life. Yeah. And that's, that's being a child of a just God. Are there consequences? Yes. But do you have to carry around that shame? No. No. You don't have to carry around that shame. You can be free because you know, not only did he ask who told you you were naked, he explained the consequences and then he created, he made clothes for them. Right. So he removed that. He explained what was going to happen, you know, what was going on and then clothed them, provided for them, gave them a sense of belonging. Like, no, you are not too far gone. I am here. You're okay. Like we are going to be okay together. I am your father. You are my children. You have been adopted into the kingdom of God and I'm not letting you go. So you can either keep hiding from me and repeating this cycle, or you can let me clothe you and we can move forward. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's really, I think the most important thing is because, you know, one time when I went into the throne room, there was this, um, like a, this is going to sound crazy. And you know what? We've already passed that point. I'm just like, it's fine. There was like this halo of like dust and dirt and grime and shrapnel. And it was just all of the, all of the bad about me is what felt like was hanging over my head. Mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, lies and just ugh, shame, everything. It just, that's what was on it. I knelt down because I could not look Jesus in the eye. He took it off of my head and threw it away, mm-hmm. replaced mm-hmm. it with a gold halo. And I just know that he wants that for other people. I know that he's ushering his children into the throne room saying, I will give you a new identity. I will restore you as mine. I will love on you so hard that you don't even know what to do with it. If you will just let me. Amen. And I love that he gave you that, that, you know, that that was. It's crazy. Because it's, and different people are going to have a different like experience. The reality is, is that God has us for that for all of us, removing that shame and, and, and giving us his glory and his righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's what the cross was all about. Right. That's the whole point. And when we're not living in that and we're living under that halo of shrapnel, we're missing it. We're missing ultimately what Jesus gave his life for. And that touches everything. It yeah. touches the things that we're talking about and things that we haven't even brought up in this conversation that are shame inducing, yeah. that we were never meant to live under a halo of shame. Well, and yes, that's the, I hope, the I hope that that's what, if, if nothing else, 
that that's what people take away from this conversation is that the shame is not yours to carry. And that doesn't mean that conviction isn't real and good and healthy. Of course. But those are two very different things. And I think that I love that you brought that up and, and wanted to make sure that we closed with that because it's, it is, it's so important. Shame is so powerful, but God is so much more powerful. 1000%. And, and he will show you that in your specific language with him. You know, my, exactly. my specific language with him is the throne room because I'm just so visual. It's like, I just, mm-hmm. I'm watching a movie and, and I'm just sitting in my room with my eyes closed. Right. You know, right. Like, that's really all that's like physically happening there, but I'm just a visual learner and he knows that. So he's going to paint a picture for me. So whatever your specific language is with him, that's how he, he's not going to just talk to you in a foreign language. Right. He's exactly. going to talk to you how, if the enemy will, will form weapons specifically against you, the Lord will, will form healing specifically for you too. Amen. So amen. Freedom is, is there. Oh, girl. <laughs> yeah, girl. That's it. That's what we got. <laughs> okay. Tell people where they can find you and follow you and continue to learn from you and listen to your podcast, all that. Yes. I almost forgot we were, I thought we were just kind of hanging out. I forgot we were like doing something official, you know? I know. I do all the time. It's the best. <laughs> That's the whole point. It really is. Uh, so my website is ainsleybritton.com, but I generally hang out on Instagram at ainsleyb. And I have a TikTok for any Enneagram stuff. It's called Enneagram and Chill. Um, mm-hmm. And my podcast is called Wild Confidence. So we we hang out there every Wednesday as well. Sweet. Ainsley, thank you so much. Thank you. So much fun. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.